so welcome or welcome back to the Connected Diversions podcast. My name is Tina Etheridge. I'm a radical ADHD and ADHD acceptance coach. And today on the podcast, we have our very first guest and I am so excited. And we are going to talk today about masking and our experiences with masking and what it means. What is what does it mean to mask? What does it mean to unmask? And I am so, so excited to talk about this with our guest today, Peter Harrison. Welcome. Welcome to the pod. Thanks so much. Really excited to be here. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited that you're here. So Peter, tell us about like, tell us about like who you are and, you know, kind of let's segue into like, who are you and um, what is your neurodivergence journey been like for you? Yeah. Um, who am I? Uh, a lot of things, many things, too many things to that I've forgotten about, I guess. Um, yeah, I think uh, the quickest and most nutshelliest way to explain it. Um, I, I am recently now, I guess, combined Adi like ADHD, so ADHD and autism um, diagnosed. I uh, just recently uh, went through an autism assessment and I was diagnosed with ADHD about five years ago. Um, and um, I, I worked in tech as a support, technical support um, agent and um, I'm, in my early thirties. Uh, so this, all of this came really, really late in life. Um, and, and so masking, um, is something that has been really, um, effective <laughs> in my life, uh, but also extremely necessary. And so, um, my, my journey to, to discovering my, um, neurodivergent self um was um was really windy and and um really came on the backside of um what i know now to have been um the backside of a um, um an, an autistic burnout um situation and so um it I ended up getting diagnosed with bipolar and um, had that diagnosis for about five years. Throughout that time, I was also diagnosed with um, several co comorbidities, I guess. It's such a, I hate that word. Like, yeah. I literally hate It's that so word. cringe. Such an ugly word. I it feel is. like there's gotta be there should be I feel like that's the only right yeah I sometimes I'll say should. like co-occurring right yeah co-occurring yeah co-occurring um disorders and so like that during that time I was also diagnosed with um obviously anxiety and depression and and um and ADHD came along uh in there as well and so um and then PTSD and and then OCD and it was around that time that I started to realize that 
with ADHD and PTSD and OCD. And I was like, wait a second, these three things make my bipolar diagnosis look really suspect. Um, and so I had a really honest conversation with my psychiatrist. And I was like, hey, one of these doesn't seem like the other. Um, and we made the decision to remove that diagnosis from my differential. And so I Wait, which one? Efficient. Bipolar. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So it was no longer on my, it was officially put on my record that bipolar was no longer um, a part of my differential diagnosis and no longer something that I was being um, stated to have and was something I had been misdiagnosed due to lack of context at the beginning of my um, treatment. And so the interesting thing is that uh, shortly after getting diagnosed with ADHD, so probably within about the first year, I started to have suspicions about potentially being also autistic just because there were too many similarities. But I thought like, there's no way I can be both. No yeah. way. No possibility. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, there's <laughs> no way. There's no way. Like, that's just, that's too many co-occurring things. Yeah. Like, there's no, there's no way that many things can be happening at once. And, you know, there's just too much research that, that actually proves quite the opposite that exactly. these things do co-occur. Uh, and so, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a really fascinating and, and incredible journey, um, mostly because my special interests involve learning things about the brain and people and behavior. But, um, but yeah, it's yeah, been a while. Yes. Oh my gosh. And it's so interesting because I feel like I've heard from a lot of autistic people that like psychology and understanding the brain and communication, like all of these, you know, very humaning things is often a special interest for autistic folks because we're like, ooh, that's interesting. This is kind of different. What's that about? Or even as a sort of like way to compensate um, in that form of masking. Yeah, it, it I mean, I'm definitely, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm hyperverbal and, and, and have, you know, the, the assessment was, was really insightful about, about a lot of different ways that I have compensated for my autistic traits throughout my life. Mm. Um, and, and the, the compensation aspects is like where I've really, really compensated for the way that my autistic traits show up so that I show up differently in the world so I so that people don't experience my autistic traits yeah um is something that that I discovered through the assessment that was just it was something that like I had explored a aspect of self-abandonment throughout my mental health journey mm. um prior to you know going through this but learning that my camouflaging aspect of my autism is literally a piece of that 
yeah. was just was is something that is has been a really um, massive thing to unpack. Wow. wow. So could I ask you, because I'm sure um, you know, especially you know, just you know, thinking about the listeners uh, of this podcast, I'm sure a lot of people um maybe are at the point or just contemplating like, hey, is it worth it for me to get an autism assessment? And I know that's like a super personal decision and it's going to be different for absolutely everyone. But like, could you kind of tell us like what um, what compelled you, what um, motivated you to be like, yeah, for me, this is what I want. This is important to me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, that was something I, I did go back and forth on, um, and and I think that for for me the the deciding factor was um, I I crave the the framework and the language that that because it helps me understand and picture and put and make tangible the road that I'm, that I'm on. Yeah. Um, that's how my brain works. Yeah. But my autistic brain doesn't work the same way as everybody else's as the same other autistic brains. And so if, if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't really need that framework. I don't really need to know the words. I know, that this is, I know that I'm autistic and I don't need to know the words to know that, then you're autistic. Yeah. You don't need anybody to assess you to, to make that decision. If you can see the things, yeah. know the things, then that's, that's what you need to know. But, mm. you know, I think that, I think that for, for me, that's, that's the path I took because it was something that I needed to help me continue down this path and, and, and break down where I wanted to go and where I needed to explore in terms of uh, figuring out what my next steps were in unpacking kind of like what I was talking about earlier with, you know, the camouflaging and what these things have delved into and, and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, well, like I said, some, some people are able to access those parts without needing that language. And that's, yep. I think that's incredible. I'm just not that person. Yeah, absolutely. We're all wired differently. We all get to decide what what is best for us and the path that we want to take forward. And I love, yeah. I love that you found yours and I love that it's right. It's like a, um, it's like a, a path to understanding, right? It's a path to yeah. further understanding, further knowledge, self-inquiry, that self-understanding. Um, and this is one way to do it. And I love that. I love that as a resource. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Awesome. So let's talk about masking. And like, if you were to kind of go back, um, especially like pre any kind of knowledge or like insight or understanding that you are neurodivergent, like even before that, like what were your experiences like with masking when you were, you know, younger? Hmm. my experiences like masking when I was younger 
Yeah, it was, um, it was a, it was a, a world of, <laughs> um, I heard this term the other day and, and it fits so perfectly, of mm -hmm. uh, copy and paste. Um, I, I would, I would be an, an immediate copy and paste of, of anything that I was seeing, hearing, observing, sensing, whether that was emotional or visual sensing. Um, and I became incredibly adept at matching tone and mimicking tone I could mimic and and growing up I thought that this was just something I naturally had the ability to do as the youngest child in my family yeah um I thought well because I'm the youngest I'm just unbelievably good at mimicking everybody no 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 <laughs> I have a different set of skills um my ability to mimic tone was just unmatched. I could, I, whether I saw it in a, in a TV show or movie or, or heard it passing in a hallway or something like that, but I would, I would hear it. And if it sounded good or sounded useful, it would get locked away somewhere for, for further use. I would have these archives internally of things that, that I would, whether it be scripts I heard, scripts I memorized internally, that I would practice. Um, and, and I would also keep track of the things that I saw that other people did, that other people reacted to poorly mm. or positively. Mm -hmm. And I would do this constantly, constantly. And I yeah. also didn't know that this was costing me anything. Mm. Still, like, until my autism assessment. Yeah. I had no idea that all these things that I've been doing yeah. for 33 years has yes. been costing me energy. Yes. So much energy. Yes because it, it takes so much energy. It really does. To do that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so I naturally just became, I became a person for all these other people in my life because I would have the answers to their questions yeah. about why things were happening when they did certain things to another person. And I was like, Oh, it's because you did it this way and this way and this way and this way. And it's like, well, how do you know that? Or so because I never stop observing people and their behavior. Right. It's it it is a constant heightened state of awareness and and which is not a healthy thing. Mm. Not a it was and that that was that was my masking behavior that was what yeah. I did my whole life growing up as a kid um and that was 
also reinforced by not so great other situations. In life, yes, but. exactly. Exactly. And I feel like that's precisely what happens. And it's so interesting because right, I can think back to to my experiences masking, which are so similar to yours, like the camouflaging, the sort of like, hey, I'm a chameleon and I can fit in with anybody. I can fit in with anybody if they if they let me, right? <laughs> if they let me, because I definitely got bullied, but yeah. And that's so positive rein positively reinforced. Yeah. Too. Like it it's people are like, oh, that's so great that you can just yeah. like hop in between or be you know, like, and, and even in, uh, and like, in these, it's, it's what contributes to, to this religious trauma is, mm. is, is this like, be all things to all people. It's like, that's, that's a horrible thing to tell mm -hmm. someone. Like, one, like, because one of my special interests became theology as a result of this. One, like, that's not your job. Yeah. That's the job of the, the deity in that religion. <laughs> yes. So you can't, they can. Yeah. Your job is, is not that job. Yes. You're not supposed to be all things to all people because you can't be all things to all people because you're one person. Yes. With very limited energy and limited resources that you don't even know how to use properly because nobody's taught you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's just it, Peter. I feel like for me, it's like, oh, this is like so automatic. Like I I've, I felt and I continue to feel sometimes of like this, this feeling of like I can't not mask. Like it's so automatic. It's so ingrained. It's so habituated. I've gotten literally a lifetime of practicing at it, but it's because and it's miraculous because I've seen this. I have a cousin who's a therapist who's neurodivergent and she has neurodivergent children and she's very informed. It's incredible. But like, I've seen the contrast now of what it looks like when a parent creates space for their child to unmask, to self-advocate, to have autonomy, to have needs, right? Even if they're quote unquote inconvenient needs for a parent, like to have needs. And I have seen it. And that was not my life. That was not my life. I was taught to just not be a problem, right? Because if I'm a problem, then it's a really big freaking deal um, and it's exhausting and it's just this whole agonizing experience for my parent, my teacher, whoever else. So don't be that. Don't cause trouble. Don't be trouble. Just be quiet and soft and <laughs> like assimilate, camouflage, chameleon, whatever you need to do, compensate literally all the things, but don't be a problem. And so I wasn't, and I never had that space. Like you're saying, like I never had that space to learn to do it differently because I was never taught to do it differently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're, you're the things that are reinforced yeah. are, are that I've, I've learned by unmasking that are contrary to the reinforcement is that my brain is a resource. Whereas what I'm taught or what I was reinforced growing up are the things that my brain was trying to get me to do yeah. were the things that I was, I was being negatively reinforced to not do. And it was like, but, but it's easier this way. And they're like, but, they, but that's not what I'm telling you to do. It was like, 
but you're but you don't understand it's like but you don't understand yeah right and like you're young you don't know any better you're the child or you're just you know just a young person and so you're just inexperienced and you need to listen to us the wise the knowing the expert the whoever the authority figure because they know best and that's how we're taught like oh let me not listen to myself my gut my intuition completely lose it yeah 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 wow why do we want to go back to childhood again Wait, what? Who wants that? Oh, right. Oh my gosh, right? Oh, I, and it's so funny because I was having this conversation with somebody really recently. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an adult so badly. Everything inside of me was like, no, like you don't have, you're not going to bed right now. So why are you making me go to bed? You're staying up later. Like why shouldn't, it was like this, um, this radical sense of like justice and like what is fair and what is not fair and for me like I even as a kid I didn't want to be a kid it's so funny like it makes sense now it really does makes a lot of sense yeah makes a lot (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so definitely lots of experiences with masking and the toll the toll that it takes because it definitely does take a toll so talk to me about when right and I know this is a process over time but when you found out that you are neurodivergent and maybe even that like masking was a thing, like what did that mean to you to discover of like, oh, this is what's happening. Oh, this is what's going on. Oof. Yeah. Well, that was the first time I learned about what delayed processing actually was (laughs) and how delayed my processing (laughs) actually is (laughs) Um, because it it took a long time for me for 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 me to feel how much I missed the opportunity to be myself yeah and and how angry I was that I that I, that I didn't get to do that that I that I was more angry at myself that I didn't stand up for myself to do that yeah and and that's where I I kind of planted my foot. And instead of kind of continuing down the the path of anger of uh, and mm. and carrying on towards towards anybody or towards other things, it was more of just like I I really traveled down the path of okay, I'm frustrated at the fact that I didn't stand up for myself. Let's dive into that. Why didn't I stand up for myself? And so what, and, and I'm making it a point to talk about this because this is, this is what really helped me dig into being comfortable with unmasking. Because when, when I dug into why I didn't stand up for myself, it was because I didn't value who I was. Yeah. 
I was really willing to just let go of any identity that I could have had and abandon whatever possibility of building an identity or having a preference that could have existed. And so I gave myself the space to be angry about that, sit in the anger and let that take as much time as it needed to without it taking too much time or overwhelming me or traveling down areas that it didn't need to go. And then, and then I started unmasking in areas that nobody else could see. Hmm. So I started changing different things that I did in different areas of my personal routine, the books that I would read, Hmm. the the kind of coffee that I would drink. I changed from drinking ground bean coffee to coffee concentrate. I changed how I made my coffee. The, the, I changed simple, small areas that only I could see because then it, it was really evident to the most important person, me. And then when I was really comfortable with how I was unmasking to myself, I started unmasking with other people. With the way that I talked, with the jokes that I would make with being honest about not finding a joke funny. That was the hardest place to unmask. Holy crap. Yes. Oh Oh my God. Yes. That is so true. Not laughing at somebody's joke is so awkward. It's so weird. Yeah. Or not getting a joke. Yeah. Being honest, be like, I don't get it. Unmasking in those areas were areas that I wasn't able to unmask fully until I had kind of inched into them. But I I had to start in really, I, I chose to start. I didn't have to. I chose to start in the areas that meant the most to me, which were the areas that that impacted my life the most from areas that I did the most, my routines, the areas that like my sleep hygiene area, my, my sleep routine, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so important. That's so important to not just say, yeah, right. Like unmasking is a good thing. Right. People say that all the time on the internet and on Instagram, but it's like, okay, but how? Okay, but how do we actually do that? And I love, I love that you're sharing, like, hey, this is one way to do it. And it's a way to do it that probably feels a little bit more safe, right? Unmasking with yourself first, 
before unmasking with other people, which can often feel not safe. Like let's create that safety here and let's feel how good it feels to unmask here in this relationship with ourselves, which I feel like is so, uh, so tied in with our sense of our identity, kind of like you mentioned of like, who am I? What are the things that I like? Because that was a question that I did not have the answer to a couple of years ago. It's a very recent thing for me to be like, oh, I think I know who I am and I have opinions. I don't just blend and merge with other people's opinions. I have my own opinions. So yes, yes, that's so important to, to have those experiences. And I think these questions are maybe related, um, but I wanted to ask you, like, what helped you figure out and identify like, oh, I like making my coffee this way and I don't actually really like making my coffee this way slash like how do you distinguish between what is masking and what is unmasking? Yeah. Yeah. That's such, such a great question. Um, and I think that I can answer this in two parts. Yeah. Um, the I mean, I think there's there's a really like pragmatic way that you can go about a lot of this. Like you can you can you can do trial and error type stuff. If I said trial and error just heard trial and error and your shoulders got really tight throw it out the window um or you're already exhausted by the fact that trial and error is a thing um because i get exhausted by the fact that trial and error is a thing mm -hmm. um i don't do trial and error mm -hmm. I do endless hours of research um just the way I do it. Um, but, but for, for the other the other part two, I guess, of, of how you can go about this. When you start unmasking with yourself, you go through this journey. There's, there's a language you're going to start to learn. And, and it's not some special lingua, lingo or lingo. Wow. Those are not actual words. Um, <laughs> Me every day. <laughs> um, jargon or vocabulary. It, it's, it's, there is a language that your body is speaking that you're going to start tuning into, and maybe you already know some of that language. Maybe you've already learned some of that and, and have tuned into that. And when you go through this process, this journey, you, you'll hear that, you'll learn that, and you'll become more fluid with that. And, and that's what this process for me has been like. And and so when I'm, I know when I'm masking and when I'm unmasking, primarily because when I'm, 
when I'm masking, it feels it feels like I'm I'm walking uphill in a sand dune. And and sometimes I have it I have enough energy to to make it to the top. Right. If you've ever walked in sand or you've ever you've ever walked through deep gravel. It's it's exhausting. And sometimes if you go really fast, you can you can get there. But eventually you're gonna you're gonna run out of energy. You're still gonna be in this in this sand, in this gravel, and you that's what masking is. The longer you have that mask on, the longer you're in that situation. Doesn't matter how much, how how strong you how strong you are. Eventually, you're you're gonna have to get out of the sand. Mm-hmm. And and that's what masking in 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 essence for me feels like is is at a certain point I sink and I I can't move. Yep. And then I can't breathe. Yep. And I start to panic because I can't see where I am. Yeah. It's it's exhausting and it's paralyzing and and I don't feel like I do when I'm unmasked. Right. The contrast. The contrast is, you know, it's, it's like breathing. I mean, it's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's like being carried by, being carried by a wave on the top of the wave and, and it bends and it moves at, at your your will and your movement and and it's just it's almost indescribable but yet you only like your brain can describe it yeah it's it's such an incredible feeling yeah and 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 so to relate that to an activity, hmm. when I'm, there are certain work activities that I have to mask for. Okay. And so when I have to mask for those things I do at work. It's it's like I stand at the bottom of that sand dune and I take a really deep breath. And I I can feel my muscles tense because I know what I'm about to do. Yeah. 
and it's because it's it's running. It's like when you get to a certain point, it's like I know when I'm a <laughs> I know that I'm about to mask, or I know that I am masking. Yeah, I know that this is going to happen, or I know that I'm about to put myself in a situation where I I'm not going to be able to help it. My my reaction will be to mask, even if I go into it unmasked. I will hit a point in which I'm going to end up masking. And, and I'll, if I don't feel it in the moment, I'm, I'm going to feel it at some point during that, during that experience where my body's going to feel heavy and my chest is going to feel like something deep is moving. And so when I'm chatting with customers and in and helping, you know, do several different things or having to juggle several different things at a specific time and and or if I'm going into a social situation where where I know that it's, it's going to be a lot of different people that I have no idea who they are. Right. And they're going to want to talk to me about things that they don't know about, but are going to be extremely surface level. Mm. I'm going to have to mask. No choice but to go to this thing. It's going to feel like it's going to feel like talking through a straw. Yeah. <laughs> and and by the end of it, it'll feel as if I had been breathing through a straw. Yes. But if I had sat with a single person that I knew and talked for five hours straight. I would feel, I would, I would feel almost energized. It's totally different. Yeah. Or even if you were maybe like physically exhausted, there'd be this like mental level of like being like, yeah, revved up. I totally know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You really nailed it. You really nailed it. It's so interesting. I think it's it's so important to talk about, you know, like our somatic experiences when we are masking versus like when we aren't, right? That contrast again. And for me, when I'm masking, I always feel it in like almost like my forehead or around my eyes, like maybe like around my eyes. And it's like this tension that tends to generate around my eyes. And for me, if I've done like a lot of masking, I can get a migraine or sometimes even like an aura migraine, which the first time I had one, I thought I was dying and I went to the ER. It was so scary. I was like, I literally can't see. There's like blotches in my vision. I am so scared. Am I having a stroke? But Mm. nope, just a migraine from doing way too much masking. And what always happens is after, you know, I can feel it. I can feel that drain. It's like a weight being pulled behind me while I'm asking. And then afterwards, like that weight is now, I'm not dragging anymore, but it's sitting on top of my chest and I just have to lay down. I have to lay down. I have to be in the dark. Like I've been overstimulated and I just need to be 
Like, leave me alone in the dark and let me go, like, watch a comfort TV show or just scroll on my phone or something very passive to recover. I have to actively recover. And it can take days, days of recovery time sometimes, depending on the situation. Mm. Recovery time. Oh. Yeah, that's. I think that's the one thing I still haven't figured out. What do you mean? I I don't know what my I don't know what my recovery time is. Like I feel like it's really variable. It's such oh, a variable. Yeah. Oh yeah, very uh, unpredictable. Yeah, it's it's um it's such a I feel like it's such an unknown um yeah and 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 I think that's that's probably one of the hardest things is like trying to understand and like determine how much recovery time I need based on how I'm currently feeling yeah because and then like at what point during my recovery time like am I do I feel like, like I'm recovered? Yes. And I think that's, that's where I've, that's where I've had difficulty. Mm -hmm. um, and engaging that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's so hard because there's no like time scale, timetable, equivalency, uh, you know, two tablespoons equals this many teaspoons moment for it. Like, I really wish there was because it would be so nice, but there isn't because if there's just so many variables, it's like, okay, what happened the week before? And like, what's happening in your life? Do you have other things going on in your life that are stressful? Or is this just like the one thing that was a little bit tough today or a lot of bit tough today? Or like, I don't know, what's your brain chemistry like today? It's just, there's so many variables and it's, oh gosh, there isn't like a scientific method to be like, okay, yeah. I've put in this much. So I need to, you know, or take, took out this much. So I need to put in this much. It's not, it's not even equivalent sometimes I feel like. So interesting. I think, I think that, that almost like you breaking that down almost solves like it almost solves the problem because it there isn't there isn't a perfect equation like the equation doesn't exist because it's not an equation it's not a it's it's not a solvable um it's not a, it's not something that you can like solve down to zero or resolve down to zero it's not like, it's not this thing that you can like equate out, like it, you know, X equals zero or something like that. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work that way because our bodies don't work that way. And our minds don't work that way. Like it, the whole, the whole, the whole process, the whole aspect of it is, is the fact that like everything, everything is going mentally exists on this spectrum, right? So if we exist on this spectrum, our minds exist on this spectrum, then as we move forward in, in life, 
and and time in existence, etc. Like we're going to spend time recovering from whatever it is and how we're feeling. And the next day starts and we gauge how we feel that day and make our decisions based on how we feel that day. Not based on some like arbitrary equation that's been pulled out of the sky to resolve this, you know, well, I've done X amount of activity stimulation, et cetera. So I should do, you know, X amount of Y amount of, you know, recovery. And it's like, there's no, there is no theory on earth or space and time that could ever exist to, to solve for that. And I think that's the problem, the mystery and the beauty of the mind is that, is that it, it's your mind. So I think you get to decide what your needs are, right? Yes. And that's, it's, it's like, you know, you, you were talked about earlier. I don't know if these are exactly your words, but this is how I summarized it on the quick little note that I took, like this sort of like inward searching for unmasking, like how do I unmask versus an outward searching and the outward searching can be like, oh, let me do six hours of research to feel like, what are other people doing? What's the most efficient, the best, most optimal way? Or like, what are the possibilities and which one might I potentially perhaps like versus that inward searching of like, how does this feel in my body when I yeah. make my coffee this way versus that way? And like, it's, it's, you used another metaphor and I'm blanking on it, but it was wonderful. But the metaphor I always use is like, it feels like this muscle in my brain that I never learned how to use. And so it's atrophied and I need to work the muscle. I need to build up the muscle and it will get stronger the more that I use it. And that's what it feels like to me is, Like it is an inward searching. It's not an outward, hey, what's the answer? Maybe somebody else has the answer. Maybe somebody else, you know, maybe how they do it is how I should do it. But it's this internal searching, which I think as especially late diagnosed autistic folks, we do not have a lot of practice with, but we are getting the practice now, um, which is amazing. But to ask ourselves, what do I need? What do I need right now in this moment? Um, To check in and say, hey, yeah, I'm still actually feeling really tired. And so, okay, brain okay, brain. Or, you know, I always like to say the words like to, as like a self-compassion practice for my executive dysfunction, my brain will do it when it's ready to do it. And I think it's the same thing for when I experience like my PMDD depression. Um, It's the same thing for when I'm experiencing executive dysfunction or I'm recovering from masking, like that after masking burnout moment of like, hey, like my brain is going to tell me, I just need to listen. Mm. I think that it's also something to to yeah talking about masking. We're talking about masking versus unmasking, and and I think that there's the there is a I want to say danger. I want to caution that like. There's a message that can be misconstrued that masking, camouflaging, 
compensating, assimilating are these horrible, terrible, awful things. Yeah. First thing, we did these things to cope with the world. We do these things, did these things and do these things to cope with the world that is not set up to support the way that our brains work, one. Two, we did these things and still do these things because this is an automatic process that your, that your brain does. So if, if you still do it, it is 100% okay. Mm -hmm. There is no judgment from me or anybody else. And if anybody who is neurodivergent or isn't neurodivergent judges you for masking, camouflaging, assimilating, whatever, have them come talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> to have words. Because if you need to mask, mask. Yeah. There are things that I mask for because I need to. Yes. Because I know that it's not safe for me to show up as my unmasked self. Either not safe for me or not safe for the other people. Right. Because either I am not ready to be my unmasked self or they're not ready for me to be my unmasked self. Yeah. And so sometimes my masking, my camouflaging, my compensation, it's, it's done out of self-protection, but sometimes it's done out of love mm -hmm. for other people. Mm -hmm. And yes, did I maybe do that when I was a kid unknowingly? Sure. But my self-awareness is much higher now. I could make those choices differently. Yeah. So PSA, caution, whatever to the listeners, I masking reframed, if you will. Yes. Yes. Right. We're not here to pathologize masking in any way. Like I don't know. My approach to life is always radical self-acceptance. And sometimes it does feel very radical. And I feel like I've seen so much internet content that's like how to unmask, unmasking, unmasking, unmasking. But like, I don't know. The radical self-acceptance part of me wants to say, I don't know, sometimes, especially being demand avoidant, that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I have to change because if I don't change, there's something wrong with me. Or like I'm masking and I don't really know how to unmask in these situations. So that must mean that I'm broken. And like, no, nope. fuck that. Absolutely nope. not. Radically self-accept yourself exactly as you are, because that is how we create the safety to change if we want to, but because we don't have to, right? Like yeah. it's this invitation instead of a requirement or an obligation, because if you don't change, if you don't heal, uh, you're going to be broken and unlovable and unwanted. Like, no, right. fuck that. Yeah. Like radically self self accept 
yourself exactly as who you are because you are not broken. And if you are a high masking individual, that is okay. You're it's for a probably a really good reason. Your brain is very wise and trying to protect you. Yeah. I mean, my, my unmasking has been in a compartmentalized fashion of unmasked in certain areas of my life as they have been ready to be unmasked. Certain areas of my work, certain areas of my work, social areas, the ways I work. It's, it's a, it's a process, but it's decided by nobody else other than me. And when I'm ready to, to go through those areas and, and when those areas feel right to be unmasked, it's a, it's something that I feel internally, you know, it's, it's a, yeah. And maybe it happens slower. Maybe I could do it faster. But also, maybe I can do it however the heck I want. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, like, the part of me that masks, like, I don't know. I always like to to see everything from all sides, right? Um, All sides of it. And... I don't know, maybe that's the best part of my all or nothing thinking is I can see two extremes. But like, yeah, I could see this part of masking that's like, oh, this is such a drag and it makes life so hard. But I also see it as like, oh my gosh, this is a part of me that also allows me to like have relationships with a lot of people if I want to, right? I can get along with pretty much anyone. That's amazing. And again, like if I want to, right? It's my choice. It's my autonomy. It's my decision. Is this a person that I want to bring into my life or is it not? Um, Woo, had to learn that lesson. That took a lot. But that part of me that is really good at masking is also part of me that allows me to connect with literally anyone if I choose to. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I love, I love that. I love (laughs) like when I learned that, that autonomy piece and brought that into my masking and camouflaging areas. And we're just like, like, yeah, I can do this if I want to. If I, if I feel like this is something that's going to serve me. And if it's not, well, then it doesn't serve me. Mm-hmm. It's not supportive. If this is not supportive for me, then it's not supportive for me. Now, when, you know, there's competing philosophies, of course, on is masking supportive. But that's also when I choose to decide what I think is supportive. Exactly. And so it, it's, yeah, I mean... Yeah. I, I I have a friend, very good friend, who I've known for years, who is also neurodivergent, undiagnosed, absolutely, and he's not self-diagnosed either, but absolutely neurodivergent. There are certain things that we do together where in like where we go, like I absolutely have to mask. Mm-hmm. And and I still love to hang out with him because he's an yeah. amazing guy. Yeah. So, heck yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, you know, exactly. The things that are supportive. Yes. What is supportive? That's such a good way to frame it. I really love that so much. And I just want to thank you so much for your experiences and sharing your wisdom and insights and the things that you've learned um, just from, right? Like we're out here, there's no, there's no handbook, there's no manual. And I don't think there could ever be because all of our experiences are so different. And so, you know, it's always helpful to hear like, you know, how, how do you figure this out? Like, what did you learn on your way? Let's share tips. Let's share, let's share our knowledge and share what we know, because that is, um, the comfort of community. That is the, the kindness of community. And it is so valuable. And I just want to say thank you. And, um, if there's anything else you want the listeners to hear, uh, please. Um, I mean, thanks for thanks for having me. I uh, I wish I had something really succinct and wonderful <laughs> to to share. I feel like I should, but um, I think that I think that really the best thing I can say is um, I've I have loved every minute of of our conversation today and all of our conversations that we have. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait to, to have more. Yes, me too. Thank you so much, Peter. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. I hope this conversation was insightful and um, it certainly was for me. So thank you for listening. And I hope you all have a wonderful day and a wonderful rest of your week. And thank you, Peter, again for coming on the podcast. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.